Everyone, welcome back to Keeping Track. We have a treat for you this episode. This is a pre-recorded episode. It occurred live back in March at the REI She is Beautiful event, which included a 5K and a 10K run, preceded by a panel discussion held in Santa Cruz, California, including four amazing women in sport. Alicia moderated the discussion called Own Your Story with athlete, author, and advocate Allison Desir, 2019 Team USA member in the 1500 meters and founder of the Pride 5K, Nikki Hiltz, trail running coach, outdoor guide, and author Christy Peoples, and Kim Woozy, who is involved in events that empower women and girls such as Skate Like a Girl and Slumber Party, as they all shared their journeys to becoming advocates for underrepresented communities in their respective sports. Thank you, REI, for your support and for providing a platform for this interesting discussion. We'll let you guys listen, and thanks for keeping track. And now I have the pleasure of introducing our panelists, who will all go into detail about their credentials uh, in just a minute, but I'd be remiss not to mention their names. Right, Alicia? <laughs> right, that was part of the... <laughs> we hope. Um, and so I would love to introduce you to our panelists. We have from right to... or your right to left... Uh, we have Christy Peoples coming in from Colorado. Thank you for joining us. Local legend Nikki Hiltz. Woo! Welcome back. We have Allison Desier here. Coming in from Seattle. Thank you for making the trip. We've got Kim Woozy here, Bay Area local. And our lovely moderator, Alicia Montano. Uh, I'll do the honor of introducing Alicia, and thank you so much for being here. This has been such a pleasure to work with this group of people to um, develop this conversation. Um, Alicia, uh, many of you may know Alicia as the pregnant runner or the Olympian with the flower in her hair, <clears throat> but her titles don't stop there. She's a seven-time USA champion, an author, a mother, a two-time American record hold winner, an advocate, and an activist. Her nonprofit and mother works to enhance the visibility of motherhood in the field of athletics and celebrates the power and mix of mixing passion and parenting, which I think all, a lot of people in the audience can really empathize with. Alicia, thank you so much for moderating, and now I'm officially off the microphone, and I'm going to hand it off to you. Thank you, Haley. That was a wonderful introduction of myself. Very true, by the way. Um, I also want to say thank you so much to Melissa and Sarah. She is beautiful. Thank you for having us. Very excited to run tomorrow. Are we excited to run tomorrow? Some of us cheer. Are we excited to cheer tomorrow? Who has really good signs that they've made for their friends? Anyone? Well, if you don't and you're just in your cheering, I need for you to make some really nice signs for us. This will help us. Um, and then, of course, to REI, uh, thank you again for hosting this uh, event for us tonight. Um, I am so excited to be here. Haley did a wonderful introduction, uh, kind of took some of the words that I was going to say about myself, but now I don't have to say it. Okay, but I will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys, many of you do know me as the girl with her flower in her hair, the run with her flower in her hair, Olympian, track and field athlete. Um, but really, I'm also an author of a book called Feel Good Fitness. It very much aligns with the mission of She is Beautiful. It's about feeling good in fitness. Whoa. <laughs> a novel title. Um, and then also, uh, I, the pregnant runner, I ran 34 weeks pregnant at USA Nationals to 
destigmatize one exercise in pregnancy and also um, furthering your career in motherhood. Like, I can't believe that's something that I had to demonstrate is possible. Um, I wrote a New York Times op-ed called, it's a long title, get your pen and paper. <laughs> Nike told me to dream crazy until I had a baby. Uh, <laughs> And it really went off of their Dream Crazy campaign. And then from that, I started the nonprofit organization and Mother, which is helping break down barriers that limit a woman's choice to pursue and thrive in her career and motherhood. So a lot of the work that I've been doing is helping break down barriers and also bringing back uh, people feeling included in, and in belonging. So I'm very excited uh, tonight to be moderating this panel with these wonderful powerhouse people. Um, Sports has very much been an integral part of my life growing up. You know, wearing the flower in my hair had started because I was one of few girls that was competing in sports and still being excluded from sports. And so to think that we are, we are here now 35 years, almost 36 years down the line for me, and seeing all of the spaces in which uh, people are being excluded from such an important part of their lives. Sports does so much for so many people. Um, our panelists today are going to be able to share with you some of the things that they've been doing to help break down barriers. And so to think that sports haven't been afforded to black women, black women in a safe manner, to um, indigenous people of color, to trans women, to pregnant women, to mothers, uh, so many different marginalized groups of people have not been afforded to be included in sports in a safe way. Um, so today, we're gonna be talking with Christy Peoples, Nikki Hiltz, Allison Desir, and Kim Woozy, and they're gonna be sharing their perspectives and uh, allowing us an opportunity to kind of have some more in-depth knowledge on things that we can potentially do to help bring inclusivity to our communities. So without further ado, um, I wanted to, one, start with um, Allison, you have started so many amazing organizations. You've started Harlem Run, Run for All, All Women, Meaning Through Movement, to name a few. And you're also writing a book. Um, well, you wrote a book. You guys, it's out for pre-order now, Running While Black. Um, and I wanted to ask, you know, with some of the main pillars for our discussion, which is going to be about inclusion, allyship, and um, impact, what are some foundational pillars for creating an inclusive community. Yeah, is this, let me make sure. Uh-oh. There we go. <laughs> Can you hear me? All right. Um, thank you. I'm, I feel so lucky to be here because all of these people I've um, followed on social media, and it's, it's cool to, Alicia and I have become such good friends that this is maybe the second time we've ever met in person. <laughs> um, but you know what I think is, is so important about inclusive communities? A lot of what I've seen here for this event, right? And I think it begins with, um, an honest invitation to folks, right? Like many times we hear uh, running is for everybody or whatever sport is for everybody, just show up. And then you show up and there are people who, you don't see anybody who looks like you, nobody makes eye contact, nobody welcomes you. If you're going for a run, you get left behind or you recognize that there's, there's a language or lingo jargon that you're unfamiliar with. And all of those things send the signal like, oh, I, I don't actually belong. Um, for me, personally, running saved my life. I, I came to distance running in 2012 when I was very, very depressed. Um, and I saw a black man training for a marathon on Facebook. And I was like, black people don't run marathons, right? Like, what is this guy doing? So I, I started following his story. And sure enough, he completed that marathon. And he shared how it was not just changing his um, physical appearance, but it was changing his 
um, his, his, his entire life, right? Like he started realizing that there were so many more things he was capable of doing, he gained a new perspective, and I decided to run. When I got into that space, I had that feeling of everyone show up, right? But I felt like I, I didn't belong there. Um, so I've been really intentional with the communities that I create, um, not just through showing representation, uh, visual representation, but then um, what is that experience like when people show up? What is the language that you use? Um, how, how, when we host events, what are the gender categories that are available, right? Like all of these send signals to somebody. Um, and the most important thing truly is having friends who have different experiences. Because I, as, as inclusive as I try to be, I also am limited by my own lived experience. So one of the best things you can do is to establish deep and meaningful relationships with people who are different from you. Um, and when they are deep and meaningful, they will tell you when you've done something wrong, right? Like if, I, if I'm not really close with somebody, they do something wrong, I'm like, whatever, I'll just never talk to them again, right? But people who I actually care about, when you hurt me, I say, you know, and this, this is what that meant, and this is what you can do differently. So, um, yeah, that's th that interracial, cross-racial relationships, uh, people of difference is really an important piece of, of understanding how to make things more inclusive. And um, in addition to that, Kim Woozy, you started Skate Like a Girl. It's meant to uh, break down barriers um, to how people insert stereotypes of what it means to be a skater. So um, can you talk about just the, the need to uh, break down stereotypes and how it's useful to building community? And then, uh, Christy, I want to be able to touch on how um, meeting people where they're at is also important in building community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you, everyone, for having me. Thank you for showing up, actually, because our attention is one of the most valuable things, and the fact that you're all here, you know, giving us your attention is a huge value, so thank you. Um, just quick note, I, I'm not the founder of Scaly Girl, so I can't take credit, but I helped resurrect Oops. the Bay Area chapter after it was shelved for a long time, and now we are in Santa Cruz as well, which is super exciting. Um, but the importance of breaking down stereotypes, yeah, I mean, it's everything. I think uh, with something like skateboarding that historically has had, well, for maybe not everyone, but for many of us, when we think about skateboarding, when I say picture a skateboarder, right, maybe like you would picture for me, you know, 10 years ago would have been like probably a 15-year-old, you know, white cisgender boy. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, it is really important to show people that, anyone can be a skateboarder and it's everything from representation to what Allison talked about when they show up to our events you know there's staff and volunteers that reflect the identity that someone that's new can relate to um, and I think so much of it is psychological and cultural because we talk skateboarding similar to running low entry you know like technically anyone can do it um, you know now there's even uh, literally around the world you don't even need shoes because it's funny we used to say okay you need concrete and a board and some shoes but you know there's a crew in India the barefoot you know girls crew um, so it is actually something that is for everyone however when you have those psychological barriers it becomes not only like harder to even start but you have that mental fear when you show up at the skate park and no one looks like you right mm -hmm. so really breaking those down sh demonstrating that by the experience when they show up the, of course the media the messaging you know, everything from what's on the flyer to being able to answer people's questions when they show up. Mm -hmm. And even for me, just a, a side little story is, um, I went to Japan for the first time out, it was like 2013, and I went to, um, I had a friend there that worked in the skateboarding community, and she took us to a meetup, and it was all adult 
women, 30 plus, skateboarding, and they were all like pretty good. They were they had all recently started. It wasn't like they were you know shredding since they were 10 years old. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy. I've never seen a group of adult women beginner to intermediate you know skateboarders. And for me personally, I really got like how important it is to see that mm -hmm. you know. And out there, it's kind of like skateboarding didn't didn't have as much of this. It's gnarly and it's for like counterculture punk rock. It was actually just like something you do on the weekends, you know, like yoga or scuba diving or whatever. So I thought that was like an, a really uh, experience that really, you know, stayed with me for a long time. Mm -hmm. For the joy of it. And Christy, can we uh, talk a little bit about meeting people where they're at and the importance of that in building community? So I come from uh, Colorado by way of Phoenix and Chicago and Brooklyn and, you know, I had been used to big cities. And so when I got to Colorado and didn't see anybody who looked like me, um, it was hard to really crack into a different, ex to a new experience of community. And so that kind of pushed me to the mountains mm. where I really found a sense of acceptance and non-judgment and belonging. Mm. And there I saw even fewer people who looked like me. So I started just posting my photos online on social media. And then some of the first responses I got were from my family. What you doing out there chasing the bears? Don't you know black people don't do that? Why are you out there? And um, so <laughs> that spoke to the fact that, you know, for a lot of people of color, we have internalized the messaging as you were share as has been shared here before that we don't belong because we are underrepresented in those spaces and so i started working with a number of uh, local organizations that are that exist to increase those numbers and that representation of bipoc women people who identify as women to get out into nature because one of the things about meeting people where they are is that once you get a little bit out of range on these trails, you start to become a whole lot more similar than different. And you are really starting to relate to people in a very different way. You're starting to connect around what matters, like are we all gonna make it out of here? <laughs> as opposed to where did you go to school what's your job you know and we also get to share our stories in an unguarded way and that's huge in terms of which is why I love this share your story it is powerful and I want to just share a couple of those stories one of which is uh, a woman was talking about her early experience and she was Latina and she said um you know, my earliest experience of being outside was sitting in the truck watching my parents work the fields. So it didn't feel inviting to me. I never had a popular uh, narrative that I've heard so much from other people who would pack into the cars on the weekend and go camping and have a great time. Another woman who was black shared that although she loved being outside, she would have to sit under an umbrella so that she wouldn't get too dark, because being too dark was bad. So there are countless stories like these that women of color often share with each other in, space, in affinity spaces where it feels safe 
to really reflect on things that we probably didn't even know we were holding, mm -hmm. carrying around generational trauma, carrying around these internalized ideas because marketing doesn't reflect us. More so now than maybe three, five years ago. Mm -hmm. But even so, today you don't see many women of a certain age represented in the outdoors and having an adventure. And so one of the things that I love to do in terms of bringing folks together is to really invite them to tell their stories often, to share their experiences, to come together, because cumulatively when we share our stories, it can't help but to change the dominant narrative. Mm -hmm. Now at this point, none of my family is trying to say that I don't belong, but they're asking me now, when can we come and have you take us out to the woods? with you it's powerful stuff i love it Rep representation is everything um last year you came out as a gender non-conforming trans um athlete which is huge it adds a whole nother space of representation for athletes track and field athletes runners um and now you are hosting a race at the end of this year to help protect trans kids um, when you talk about uh, when we're talking about the communities that we serve, what barriers do trans people still continue to face when it comes to inclusivity in sports? Yeah, I mean, what barriers don't they face? <laughs> I feel like is a better question. But um, yeah. yeah, I feel like last March for me, I felt like I I finally had. We we're talking a lot about representation. I finally had enough representation to be able to see myself in um, athletics. And that was just from other trans people being brave enough to be themselves. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I can do it too. And so I think that there's so much power in representation. And then since I've come out, like I've had a bunch of people message me um, that they've come out to their college team or like um, in their running space, wherever that is. And so, um, yeah, I mean, as far as barriers go, there's just so many nuances. Um, there's obviously laws and, all that being passed and like, you know, we could talk about that, but it's like, it's it's more just like in the little nuances of like people being willing to learn and listen and adapt to, hey, this is my pro, these are my pronouns and I want you to use these, you know, and that like uh, the safe spaces that I've felt most safe are when people are, are using my correct pronouns and, um, a lot of it is also about language. Like I still compete in the women's category, but um, I've heard, I think um, in some races, like a lot of people say athletes competing in the women's category, like we're lining up this way and like little things like that can really like, you know, I'm gonna have a good race after that, you know, cause I feel affirmed by the official or whoever took the time to be like, I'm not gonna call this group of people women because there is someone and you know, in this group that doesn't identify that way. And so I think being really intentional when creating safe spaces of never assuming that it's a completely homogenous environment and never also when creating events, it's like, you know, white, cis, straight, like that's not the default, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, uh, I think things like that, uh, I'll share a quick story. I did, I ran the fifth Ave mile um, this past uh, fall and it was in September and October this big race. Um, also, I'm a professional runner. I don't know. I'll just put that out there. I, don't, I feel like I didn't Did introduce. Did we leave that out? <laughs> I don't know. Just to give context Nikki's for people. Nikki's a professional runner, I'm not everyone. Just out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm in this Oops. race in New York, and um, you know they they block down Fifth Half Mile. It's super fun. Like 
TV time, whatever the whole thing. Um, and New York and New York Roadrunners is the organization that puts it on, and they put on obviously huge events like um, the New York Marathon and New York City Half, and you know. Um, so they before Fifth Ave had already had people within New York City being like, hey, when I registered for the race, like. I don't want to be put in the box of male or female because I don't identify it as that. Like, I, you know, where's the non-binary category? And so when, I, when my agent is registering me for um, Fifth Ave, he, he was like, oh, well, Nikki's non-binary. So he registered me in, like, that category. Um, I ended up, you know, running in the elite woman's race, and, like, I finish. Um, it's, you know, I got second. Um, there's some prize money, whatever. And... Whatever. <laughs> Okay, not it the point. Was, of the it story. wasn't Casual. a dollar, guys. <laughs> and um, in the results, I I'm not in the results, right? I'm not in the women's results because like I was registered on the non-binary division, and I thought that was so cool that like I could see a race um, with my name, time, and then not an F next to my name, right? I think it was like an X, which like that's so badass too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I think it was a, so I I went to look at the results I'm like I'm not in it and then s- but well, the coolest part about it was I clicked the non-binary division I'm expecting to see like one or two names you know and there was like a list of 20 and that was really cool to me like I think a lot of times I get a lot of messages or people being like you've inspired me <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting like emotional <laughs> like um, you know to to come out and like but like me seeing that was like it made like me feel less alone, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Um, as you can see, inclusivity is everything, and it's important for us to think through how we are um, helping break down these barriers, opening up our ears, listening up, and not being uh, afraid to make some mistakes. Kim, when we spoke several times, you shared something very important about. Um, showing up, but being willing to make mistakes in allyship. This is a huge part of how we can uh, break down barriers and, and make sports more inclusive for everyone. Um, can you share some of what you'd, you'd share with us about Absolutely. not being afraid to fail? Um, what if I was just like, no? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Uh, absolutely. Well, so I can share, <laughs> I can share an example. So at Skate Like a Girl, we teach folks the foundational skills of skateboarding balance foot positioning you know bending your knees Mm -hmm. right and so we actually have a workshop now called ally skate um we're doing one in san francisco this sunday um but similarly it's not a list of do's and don'ts right Mm -hmm. because being an ally is a lifelong process if we had all the answers like then i don't think it would just be a different game right so similarly with allyship we teach folks the foundations of just how to be a good person you know, and that's what it boils down to. And I think um, part of being an ally, just like skateboarding, is that you're gonna fail. Like you will fall. Like I wish I could say, "Hey, we're gonna teach you skateboarding. You're never gonna fall." Mm-hmm. But that's not so the, that's just not the reality. However, the best skateboarders, you know, some of the pros, the Olympians, all that stuff, they know how to fall mm-hmm. and they know how to get back up. Mm-hmm. So being an ally, really similarly, like be ready to get feedback where someone's like, "Hey." what you said hurt me or, or, you know, it didn't work for me. I was, you know, offended or whatever it was. Be ready to fail and then notice what you do when you fail, right? Mm -hmm. Do you spiral? Do you get defensive? Like, what's your personal flavor of dealing with failure? Mm -hmm. 
And if you can be with that and accept how you deal with it and then recognize it and move forward, to me, that's what really effective allyship is. Because at the end of the day, as the world changes, as we evolve, we're going to make mistakes. And the best thing you can do is be prepared for how to deal with those mistakes. And so the key with actually being an ally is just to try. We always tell kids at skate camp, like, when they fall, we encourage them to get back up. And so really, like, taking on being an ally and creating this inclusive world that we all want to live in is how to get back up when you do inevitably you know, fail or make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's apparent allyship is imperative for women and gender non-conforming people to excel, not only in sports, but in life. Um, as we see, sports is a microcosm of what's happening in the world. So we can use um, how we see the 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 world through the lens of sports. And it's really important for us to think about our community in that way as well. Um, how can we... I'm going to throw this to Allison. Um, how can we help folks understand what being an ally means? Yeah, I, I think the, the critical piece of it is decentering yourself, which is hard because naturally we are the center of our world, right? Um, but decentering is really um, allowing yourself to be curious uh, about somebody else's lived experience, mm. right? Like, so I personally, I can't say that I fully. Uh, understand anybody else's experience other than my own, but I can be curious about it. I can also allow for that person to be the expert of their experience, right? I think a lot of times what we see is somebody says, well, um, particularly when you're looking at um, what's going on around trans folks, right? People are saying, no, this is my experience. This is how I see myself. And somebody else is saying like, no, that's wrong. Can't be possible, (laughs) right? Um, And so recognizing that we have to accept other people's lived experiences and realities. We have to let other people tell us mm-hmm. what their truth is. And I think, I think that's something that's really difficult because we also, um, as, as people, as a country, we have deep investments of systems of oppression, right? We have deep investments in uh, sexism, in racism, in transphobia. All of these things are, are built into a lot of our structures, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have people who are brave enough to say, no, I don't fall within those categories, it can unseat <laughs> everything that we have in place, right? Like, what does it mean if we, if we have more than two categories um, for, for races, for uh, licenses, for, right? You think about all the ways that um, these structural inequalities or impressions are built into the fabric. Um, but I just, I try to remind myself, like, what somebody is saying to me is their truth. And how can I create a space where they can live that truth comfortably, right? Where they can gain access to the things that I take for granted, which is also a piece that's important to recognize is that all of us have um, marginalized identities, but all of us also have privileged identities, right? So whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm cis, I'm able-bodied, I'm middle class, all of those things are privileges that I can then use um, to help folks who are further ma- marginalized. When we spoke earlier uh, last week, earlier or later, we spoke two times. When we spoke last week, we talked about um, folks who are trying to be allies or hoping to be allies and running up to a problem where they're wanting to know, doesn't this other you or exclude you when you make an event, a women's only event, or if you make uh, an event, um, 
you know, a men's only event, how do we make sure that we're including everyone? Um, Kim, you talked about a paradox that was very important for us to recognize how we actually are looking at equality versus equity. Um, so you're getting this toss to you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we always say, um, you know, inclusion and exclusion exist in a paradox, right? So we get this all the time. We use just the example, you know, we do a new program and it's women and or trans skate sessions. And by the nature of creating that equity in that safe space, that means that cisgender men are excluded, mm -hmm. right? And then we get the com inevitable Instagram comments that are like, this is sexist. <laughs> um, but really the conversation is if we're truly working towards that equality, like that world where I can show up to any skate space or any sports space or any space period and see, you know, uh, equal representation of all different genders, um, then in order to get there, we have to create that equity, mm -hmm. right? So equity and equality are different things. In order to get to equality, we gotta create that equity. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna look like sometimes excluding certain identities. Mm -hmm. And for folks who maybe can't understand why they're being excluded, that is like the perfect opportunity to look at your own privilege or your own identity to be like, okay, where do I feel like maybe I've had, you know, access and privilege? And oftentimes, like, for example, when we do skate events, it's usually the men who are like, why do girls need their own space, right? And then if we're listening to girls, trans, non-binary skaters, they don't feel safe or comfortable to show up at the skate park that historically is predominantly men, right? Mm -hmm. So again, it's about that listening. Mm -hmm. um, and even, you know, as things evolve, like a good example around for us specifically at Skate Like a Girl is like, we used to call our sessions ladies nights, right? And that was our flagship program in Seattle for like years and years. And we started getting feedback from our community saying, hey, like, I don't really know if this event is for me. Like, I don't identify that way. Mm -hmm. um, and even me personally, like I grew up like as identified as like a tomboy. And I was like, I hated when someone was like, you need to be more ladylike. So even I still cringe when someone's like, hey, ladies. And I'm like, ah, like I want to be a cool shredder, you know? Um, <laughs> But so then we did some surveying with our community and, and we got the feedback and, the, and then through this sort of like community committee, we changed the name to women and or trans skate sessions. And as a result, we had a lot of different trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming folks showing up. And even then we did get the feedback of some folks were like, I don't like that name, I identify as trans, like that name doesn't work for me. But in general, you know, listening to our community, the people that were showing up, usually those folks were like on Instagram and they didn't actually come to the event. Um, but ultimately, just like the listening, and if we're in the future, gotta, maybe that'll evolve and we'll change again, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's like always looking at who's not showing up and being curious and asking questions. Okay, why is this person not showing up? Why is this identity not showing up? And what can we do about that to get to that more equal world? And we always say at Skate Like a Girl, we're trying to end our jobs. Like I, we don't need a girls only skate yeah. camp or women and or trans skate sessions. Mm -hmm if we got to that place where I would love to just show up at any park or space mm -hmm. and be like, cool, everyone's here. Like, mm -hmm. don't feel scared, don't feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, equity versus equality, definitely super important to get there and there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm -hmm. Are there any other touch points? Uh, Christy, Allison, Nikki? Part of what we were talking about too is the importance of people who, um, amazing folks like everybody here if you go back to your respective communities and everybody looks like you, 
have those conversations with each other because we can't have those conversations with your folks in the way that you can. And so a lot of times people who, in, in my experience, people who have asked me, what can I do or show me the next thing makes me responsible for the entirety of a race or a gender and I'm just one person and we are not homogenous. So it's really important for people to be able to have brave conversations with one another rather than letting old Uncle Jim say his racist, sexist stuff because he's going to die soon anyway. You just got to wait for him to die. But while everybody is alive, <laughs> there is an opportunity to, to talk and to really, again, meet people where they are because that's going to be the thing that's going to shift the needle it's it's wonderful that we can come together in ways like this and hear so many different viewpoints and perspectives but we got to carry that torch back home and light the fire there as well mm. i, I want to add one piece about um sure. sorry get your claps um, about like perfectionism in this, right? And, and I'm thinking about the comment you made about folks who are not actually involved in the community having a lot of things to say. And what I say for myself is I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, first of all, but also I'm willing to engage with other folks who have skin in the game and who are also involved in doing stuff. But if you're just a troll on the sideline trying to poke holes in my life right, me trying to be a good person, me learning and making mistakes, then I really don't have time for you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we need to set up for ourselves. We need to, um, we need to be, step bravely into these spaces and recognize whose opinion matters and whose is just noise, mm -hmm. right? You also have to be careful that you don't consider noise people who are holding you, um, you know, being critical and, and, and um, helping to guide you also, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm not, uh, opting for toxic positivity or mm -hmm. you know only good vibes, um, but making sure that it's it's people who also are willing to put their voice on the line to take risks to also be in community with you. And if those people who are home and miserable are just going to tear you down, then you know that's not that's not who you're working for mm -hmm. or with. Mm -hmm. yeah. Go off. <laughs> I would say other words, but we have so many little kids here. So. <laughs> You know what I really wanted to say. <laughs> it's not always good vibes. Sometimes it's vibes. <laughs> um, okay, so we are all moving towards action, yes? Um, one thing I'm doing that is m much different from other panels that I've done before is I wanted to do the opposite side of us getting to know each and every one of these individuals here so that y'all leave here thinking through the work that they're doing and also looking towards contributing to the work that they're doing. So, um, and this also will help you guys with the action item, which is a part of our homework. Uh, <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, Christy, I want to start with you. Everyone here has been so impactful and is moving with purpose. That is the mission. Um, I hope that's the mission for everyone here today. Can you give us some piece of advice to help us move with action. One, share with us your name. You need my microphone? Okay. Nikki and I, <laughs> okay. Nikki um, and I got a thing. Okay, your name, okay. what you're doing, and then what 
uh, we can do to help further your mission? That question to everyone. So what I'm doing right now. Wait, what is your couple name? Of th- oh, my name is Christy Peoples. <laughs> Hello. And what I'm doing, a couple of things that I'm doing. I work with a couple of different nonprofits. One is Running Start, and that is an organization that helps women who have been sidelined in their fitness goals, either through drug addiction, COVID, financial setbacks, whatever. We pair them with mentors to help them train basically from wherever they are to get to a 5K by the end of the program. We work with a few different sponsors who provide gear uh, that includes uh, shoes and clothes. And one of the ways that you can help with that is donating to that organization. It's runningstart.org. I also work with an organization called Women's Wilderness. And we train BIPOC guides and instructors to provide outings and excursions in nature for BIPOC women. And so this is a really important affinity space because there's been a lot of harm done and a lot of trauma. And so this is another reason why affinity spaces are really important for people to get together and not only dismantle the ideas or internalized um, barriers to entry that they hold or have been holding, but it's also a great way to cultivate a love for nature and a, a reclamation of one's right to take up space in the outdoors. So that's uh, that affinity program is called the Trailblazers Program. And so a way to support that is by donating to womenswilderness.org. And even... And here's another thing, too. Um, Another way that you can help is by having those conversations that I just mentioned a moment ago. You don't even have to reach in your wallet for that, people. You just talk to each other and have these conversations so that we don't need to have affinity spaces, as Kim was saying so eloquently. We want to to normalize the presence of diverse audiences and diverse adventurous people in the outdoors and wherever they go. That's what. I'm Nikki and what I'm doing is I'm trying to run a mile. Sorry, I don't mean to. I just, (laughs) this is Nikki Hiltz. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. A professional runner, first and last name. Uh, my name is Nikki Hiltz, and what I'm trying to do is run a mile as fast as I possibly can. Uh, <laughs> that's um, Yeah, I'm a professional track and field athlete, and I do specialize in the middle distance um, races. And I 
when I'm not doing that, though, I am advocating for the LGBTQ community, and I put on a race. Um, I've put it on the past two summers. It's called the Pride 5K, and it's kind of a way where my two worlds um, have come together, my love for running and um, my advocacy. And the race raises money for the Trevor Project, which is the leading national organization for suicide prevention amongst LGBTQ youth. Um, and yeah, I um, I guess advocate for that, and I also try to most more recently kind of uplift, uh, not uplift, but like bring aware to my followers the, uh, everything that's happening with um, the anti-trans bills across the country, and trying uh, to yeah, I think I think another way that you can help is like if your feet like a lot of this plays out on social media. So it's like, if your feed is a lot of people that look like you or, mm. you know, in your space, like your color skin, like switch it up, you know? And I think a big thing that I try to do is promote other like queer voices who are, um, you know, doing the advocacy work and it's like, okay, here are the legislators we need to email today, you know? So um, I just like following those those qu other queer athletes or, or LGBTQ advocates, um, I feel like most recently is kind of what I've been standing for, but also the Pride 5K. Um, yeah, and we're hoping the past two years it's been virtual, which, um, you know, has been as a lot of events have been, but this year we're hoping to do it in person. Um, an October race, we haven't really discovered where yet, but uh, follow the Pride 5K and you'll find out soon. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I think just, yeah, that's, I would say like, just follow people that don't look like you and, mm -hmm. and uplift voices that mm -hmm. are oftentimes need to be the most loud voices in the room. Mm -hmm. yeah. And before, before I let Nikki go, you'd also shared that when you're invited to women's races, you feel the most safe. Can you yeah. share with us Yeah. how and why? Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, I feel like when I was asked to be on this panel, even it, it was like, do you feel comfortable with this? And it's like, yes, like whenever there is an event, like, yes, it, the name is She is Beautiful. Like it's it's a gendered thing, but it's like when the root of this event is at inclusivity, anyone who is like trans or, and I obviously can't speak for every trans person, but like you you feel that directly, you know, and it's, it's um, I've gone to, similar to Skate Like a Girl events, I've gone to Girl Swirl, which is um, in San Diego, which is like, that it's you know girls skate it's a very similar thing and it's like it's the same th it's like trans non like uh, there's a ton of queer people there and I don't I've never run this race before but I can imagine that there's going to be a ton of queer people like in this race tomorrow and that just like speaks to yeah woo <laughs> um that just speaks to like when something is you can tell when something's rooted in inclusivity and I always feel you know very space very safe even if it is quote-unquote like women's only mm -hmm. spaces and I think also language you know adding like trans and non-binary and woman spaces like people of gender minorities you know mm -hmm. also helps in feeling included for sure thank you My name is Allison Mariella Desir, and I've got two things. The first is to buy my book. <laughs> it is called Running While Black, uh, Finding Freedom in a Sport That Wasn't Built for Us. And it talks about, um, it's about running and how running, though it says it is for everyone, um, it's not, and what we can do to make it for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, it's available for pre-order right now, so you can purchase it literally today. 
Um, the second piece, and I think it's uh, tied to what both Nikki and Christy were saying, is to get out and vote. <laughs> Um, the midterms are this year, and um, I've, for the past two years, I've organized a, a virtual event called Women Run the Vote. Uh, we had 10,000 um, people the first year, 5,000 people the second year, um, raising money for various nonprofits, including Black Voters Matter. Um, we'll be doing that again this year, uh, raising money for Black Voters Matter. And it's just, I mean, it's essential, right? Even if you uh, like to say that you're not political, although I personally believe everything is political, um, but even if, if you are not necessarily concerned for yourself, if you're concerned for other people, um, if you have uh, a, a, anybody in your life who's trans, anybody in your life who's a woman, anybody in your life who's an immigrant, anybody in your life who's poor, um, you must get out and vote, right? Because um, so many things are, <sighs> are in jeopardy, including our environment, right? So two things, uh, buy my book, um, and please, please vote register people in your community to vote because it truly matters. Thank you, Allison. Kim? Hello again. My name is Kim Wizzy. I she, her pronouns. Uh, so I am the Director of Marketing and Partnerships of Skate Like a Girl. We're a 501c3 in Seattle, Portland, and now the Bay Area. And now Santa Cruz is a little satellite. Shout out to Michelle. She's our Santa, uh, Santa Cruz staff. Um, we're a 501c3, so it's super simple. Donate. We've got merch, you can come to our programs, we got all the ways, we you know, do all the Giving Tuesday campaign, all that stuff. Um, so that's like a straightforward one. But I will say that also, just an action item, like y'all are here and you're listening, thank you so much. Like that's a huge step toward, you could be doing literally anything else right now. I'm sure there's a lot of good shows on Netflix. <laughs> um, so just want to acknowledge you all for being here, you're already doing the work. And I think one little kind of piece takeaway that I try to remember, this is like advice for myself as well, is that one of the most effective things we can do is just notice our like knee-jerk reactions to anything, you know? Um, and maybe just not do the first thing that come, I, it's like hard for me, because I'm like, I have an opinion about everything. But to not do that first thing and maybe just sit on it, think about it, have a conversation with someone mm -hmm. who you know, you trust and love, and then maybe take some actions. Because I think just in general, um, especially the past few years, we've all been at home, it's very easy to like, you know, be that person like in the comments or yelling at my TV or whatever it is. Because there's a lot of things that are gonna make us upset and angry and frustrated. Um, but I think in general, regardless of who you are, where you're from, to just notice that first reaction and maybe think about not doing the first thing. And I think if we can operate, you know, whether for me it's like at the skate park because we get a lot of, you know, there's a lot of high energy at the skate park, but regardless of where we're at, the grocery store, in the REI store, um, if we can all just take the case that maybe we don't know where the other person's coming from um, and just get curious around asking and, and having conversation if it's safe and if it's appropriate, I think in general, it sounds cheesy, but that really would make the world a better place. I think it's so much easier now, especially I'm a millennial. It's so easy to be like, block this person on Instagram, like, you know, um, but let's just stop and like talk to each other because I think nothing can replace real life conversation, which is why I'm so appreciative y'all are here. And I think podcasts because you can't talk back, like you can talk back in your car, but you got to listen. So I think if you're really wanting to practice your listening, like, get in some podcasts, learn, digest, maybe disagree, and that's fine, right? Mm -hmm. I know some good podcasts here. Uh, there's a good one out here. Alicia's got one. Um, 
But also, uh, I'll just plug one real quick. Center for Sport and Social Justice at Cal State East Bay. Uh, we just dropped our second season called Making Moves Podcast. And, you know, there's a lot of great topics we touch on. And um, because it's rooted in academics, it's a student-run podcast. There's a lot of professors that have done research around, for example, like the anti-trans culture um, and how there actually isn't research that shows that testosterone or hormone levels, like, make someone have an advantage of performance. So anyways, yeah, just education and, and listening and just try not to, you know, knee jerk as much. That's my that's my takeaway. That's that's a very great takeaway. I'm I'm taking that one away as well. <laughs> um well, thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Really this has been incredible. Um tomorrow y'all are going to go out there and run, walk, <laughs> Do your thing to complete 5K to 10K. Um, I know I said I was going to leave you guys with that, but actually I wanted one more piece of owning your story, running with purpose tomorrow. Just one little piece, each person, one little piece to give to the audience to run with purpose. To run with purpose. Yeah. Okay, go, okay. Go ahead. Because I, I think yeah, I'm on the yeah. same wavelength. Yeah, you're on the same um, wavelength. It's beautiful here. Take as much time as you need. Look okay? up. Like, I understand there's a competitive heat, but, like, no, enjoy this. I will be enjoying the heck out of this. Yeah. <laughs> My one piece to, to say is to look up. Don't be afraid to look up. Take in your surroundings. Your body is a miracle. <laughs> you do not have to breathe yourself or blink yourself or beat your heart or move your feet. You don't have to know how to do that, those things, but your body already knows how to do it. Your body knows how to fuel you. Your body is carrying you. Really embrace that as much as you can with every step because it is a tremendous gift to be in your body. I know sometimes for a lot of us, especially with the messaging, we might be, you know, we might feel separated from our bodies. We might not like them that much. But come to your body with gratitude tomorrow. Move yes, with I the elegance of that miracle working for you. Your body and you will never come this way again. Ooh. Celebrate that. That's real. Chill. That is real. Okay. Oh, Snaps. <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> it's good. It just needed to be one, you know. So we can just it. Um, <laughs> I, you said look up, so I was gonna say look next to you. You know, oh. look at the people. Yeah, the community around you, and you know, this race has been away for a few years, so celebrate that it's back. And um, you know, there, I guarantee you, if you're like, oh, I'm gonna be too slow, or like, I'm gonna be too fast, you know, like. There's a going to be... No, no. <laughs> That's not a concern. <laughs> Wherever you're at in the race, there's going to be someone running your pace next to you, and that's, like, an awesome thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mine's super simple. Just have fun. Woo! Like, might as well. I mean, I don't know. I've had a lot of my own rewriting of stories about running just from high school sports, and that was, like, the punishment. Mm -hmm. Why is that the punishment? Like, when you mess up, you got to run a lap. Like, coaches need to stop with that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, just have fun. I mean, again, like, it's it's a privilege. It's a luxury. 
um, to do what we can do tomorrow, and you might as well just enjoy it. And if it's not, you know, as fast as you wanted to, like, who cares? Just have a blast, and um, I think also just appreciate all the community, you know, each other and all of us. So have fun together. Yes, I love it. And don't be afraid to own your story. <laughs> Buzz. Uh, <laughs> okay, everyone, uh, this is going to be also on Keeping Track Podcast, which is my podcast, a little small plug there. Um, our podcast is about bringing lesser-known stories to women's sports. Women's sports are covered by 4% in the media, which is wild now this world. Now you know some more w women and non-binary people in sports, so your support is everything. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Thank you again. She is beautiful. And Yay. REI for hosting this wonderful event. And best efforts tomorrow. Keep track, keep track. Keep track, keep track. One time, one. Yeah, yeah. Keep track, keep track. One time, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keep track, you already know what. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.